Happy Easter and welcome to First Southern. We're so glad that you're here with us. Now, I want you to take your Bibles or your apps, whatever you may read on, and today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, I recognize that 1 Corinthians may be hard to find in your Bible. This has got a lot of books in it. So, so here's what I would ask you to do or encourage you to do if you're looking for 1 Corinthians. If you're in a physical Bible, just open to the table of contents. There's no shame in that whatsoever. Uh, go there. You'll find that 1 Corinthians is is in the big section titled the New Testament. Uh, You'll find it about midway through the list of books in the New Testament. So find 1 Corinthians, go to that page, and then flip through until you get towards the end, which is chapter 15. Now, if you're in an app, simply pull down the list of the books of the Bible. Uh, You'll find 1 Corinthians is about two-thirds to three-quarters of the way down that list of books. Now, When I was in my early college years, I rebelled from God. I'd kind of, you know, lived my life for Christ when I was in uh, late middle school and most of the way through high school. Uh, But towards the end of high school, I was having one of those uh, intellectual uh, difficulties with my faith. I could not reconcile what I was hearing at church versus what I was hearing in my, my classes like physics and biology. And so I had this moment, this period of time in my life where I turned away from my faith pretty much completely when I went to college. I majored in biology. I emphasized that major in evolution because I wanted to go off and be a, a professor and teach evolution. And I thought that evolution and biology and physics, you know, the, the sciences were going to be the way that I would prove or disprove the existence of God. And quite frankly, I was leaning towards disproving God. But a few years into my studies, I began to realize that what I was studying did not actually disprove God, but gave more evidence of God's existence in his created order. And so I recognized that if God was real, then there were some rippling implications to uh, that fact. If God existed, then it meant more than just believing in him. There, there were other things to consider. I recognized that if God existed, then there must be an, an eternal existence of some kind. And if there's an eternal existence of some kind, then I needed to think about how I live today in order to impact that eternal existence. Because let's face it, we're gonna live on this earth, maybe if we're lucky, 100-ish years. But what is 100 years in comparison to eternity forever? And I began to think about and meditate on the implications. Eternity goes on and on without end. 100 years is a short time in comparison. So I realized that everything I did in this temporary life should be directed to what is more uh, important, that eternal existence. And so my purpose began to revolve. It began to be centered around what do I do if I believe in God? What do I do if I believe that there's something beyond existence on this earth? Have you ever pondered or thought about God's existence? Have you ever pondered or considered eternity and how those two things impact your purpose in life? 
Well, that's what I'm going to talk about today. We're going to talk about Easter because today, Easter is the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And I'll unpack that here in just a moment. But I want you to take your Bibles now. We're going to explore in God's word. And I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to begin in verse 12. Now, Paul, in the earlier part of this chapter, has been talking about resurrection and how in the eternal existence, there's going to be a form of resurrection for all people. And he, he gives this reasoning, and, and it's a totally separate topic in many ways, because he's making an argument for what happens to us in eternity. But then he says this little statement in verses 12 through 14. Look with me now and listen to what this says. He, Paul says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead... How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Those are some pretty strong statements from Paul. If we can't wrap our minds around and believe that there was a man, the son of God who came and lived a perfect life and died on a cross. And on the third day after his death, he rose from the grave. If, if we can't believe that, then our faith is completely useless. It's in vain, as Paul puts it. And so I want to talk about the importance of the resurrection of Jesus rising from the grave because I'm convinced that Jesus was a real person. And I'm gonna talk about this in just a moment. I believe that Jesus is a real person. I believe that he is the son of God, that he's a deity, that he is part of the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I believe that he came to this earth and was tempted and experienced all the, the junk that we experience as people and yet did not sin one time. He did not break God's law. He never did uh, anything that went against what God told him to do. And then, despite being innocent, despite being sinless, the authorities of his day condemned him to death, death on a cross, a gruesome, torturous death. And it's through that death, we spoke about this over the last two weeks, it's through that death that we are saved from our sins. But it doesn't end there. Three days after his death, Jesus walked out of his tomb completely alive. And I want to speak about, I want to focus on this resurrection, him coming out of the grave. Because Paul here in, in 1 Corinthians 15 argues that the resurrection, belief in the resurrection is pivotal. It's, it's vital to our existence as followers of Jesus. It is pivotal, it's vital to our faith. Uh, there's a, one of our seminary presidents, a seminary is a, a higher level place of education uh, for pastors and ministers and missionaries. And one of, we have several seminaries in our denomination. And one of the seminaries, there's a president named Danny Aiken. Danny Aiken uh, writes about a conversation that he had with someone who didn't necessarily believe in God. He was uh, you know, just reasoning with this man, this friend of his. And he asked this question. He said, what is the bottom line when it comes to Christianity? And his friend responded this way. He said, that's easy. 
it is the that it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If the resurrection is true, then so are a number of things. And he lists out five things that must be true if the resurrection is true. Those five things are there is a God, Jesus is that God, therefore the Bible is true. Therefore, heaven and hell are real places. And lastly, Jesus makes the difference whether you go to one or the other. And so Danny Aiken was floored because this man, despite not being a believer in Jesus probably, gave one of the most solid proofs of the importance of the resurrection. There is a God. Jesus is that God. The Bible is true. Heaven and hell are real. And Jesus makes the difference whether you go to one or the other. Now, I believe that Jesus truly did rise from the grave. But, but let's talk about that. If Jesus truly did resurrect, if he truly did walk out of that tomb alive after being dead, then that changes everything. He changed the world in that moment. Think about some of the evidence that's out there for proof of the resurrection. Uh, this is something that was really pivotal in my coming back to my faith. Uh, I began to study back in my college days about uh, what was being taught back then and, and some of the things. And I've talked to friends who uh, are defenders of faith. We call them apologists. And here are some things that I find very compelling about the resurrection of Jesus. First off, not a single historian that lived during Jesus's time or directly after Jesus's time, not a single historian of that day denies Jesus's existence or denies that he was killed on a cross by the Romans. And many of those historians also mention that his followers claim that he came back to life. But there is no doubt among the historians of Jesus's day and just after Jesus's day about his existence and his death on a cross. There's, there's no doubt of that amongst those historians. Uh, the Bible mentions that there were 500 people who saw Jesus after he resurrected and, and listened to him and experienced things with him. And yet there is not a single writing, even amongst the Jewish people who did not, who refused to believe in Jesus, there's not a single writing or a single piece of evidence that anyone pushed back that there were these 500 witnesses, that there were these 500 people that physically saw Jesus after he had been risen from the grave, after he rose from the grave. Uh, another thing is Jesus had an extended family. His mother was still alive when he died on the cross. He had several brothers and probably sisters. And it's mentioned that all of his family became believers in Jesus. They believed in him as the son of God after he rose from the grave. One of them is, is very famous in the Bible. His name is James. He became a, a very uh, prominent leader in the early church and even wrote one of the books of the New Testament. There's a book called James. That book was written by James, the brother of Jesus. I mean, his own family recognized, even though they did not believe in him and kind of called him a crazy man when he was still alive in his ministry before his death, after his death, those same family members that mocked him are now believers in him and are helping to build his church. But I think one of the most compelling 
proofs that Jesus did actually rise from the grave is that he had all these followers, but there was a core group of 12. One of those 12 uh, betrayed him early on or uh, just before. And and it's that betrayal that actually led to Jesus being arrested and, and hung on the cross. And so there's 11 disciples left, 11 followers left. And all of those disciples were persecuted. And most of them, we, are, we know for sure that at least 10 of them, there's a question mark about one of them, about how his life ended. But of those 11 that remained, 10 of them died a martyr's death, many of them in gruesome, horrific ways. And not a single one of them, and not just those 10, but many, many others who were believers in Jesus, who witnessed Jesus after his resurrection, many of them were killed for proclaiming that and not a single one of them ever denied Jesus's life, death, and resurrection, even though they were tortured, even though they died terrible, horrible deaths. They all stayed true to their belief in Jesus. Now, in the early 70s, there was this big scandal called Watergate. Uh, it's, uh, it was discovered that some men in President Nixon's circle had broken into the national, the Democratic National he- Headquarters located in Washington, D.C. Uh, and it turned out that they had gone in to plant some bugs and steal some documents as spies uh, for the Nixon campaign against the Democratic Party. And, and as the investigation kind of started, and and came to its head, it was also discovered that Nixon knew all about it and actually orchestrated much of what was taking place. Uh, What ended up happening, if if you're familiar with this, is that 48 people ended up being convicted of various crimes in this scandal, and Nixon himself resigned as the president of the United States, only president to ever resign his post in the midst of being the president. But there was one man in particular, one of the the first ones that was convicted in this scandal was a man named Charles Colson. Now, Colson was known as one of Nixon's enforcers. He was ruthless, merciless. Uh, No one dared to cross him because of how merciless he was. And just before going to prison, Charles Colson came to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. He became a follower of Jesus. And he actually later on, after he got out of prison, he started a very large prison ministry nationwide. Uh, you know, many, many people have come to know the Lord, uh, know Jesus as their Lord and Savior through Colson's ministry. But Colson says this, he was, he was doing an interview one time and he was asked about why he became a believer of Jesus. And he says this, I know the resurrection is a fact and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if they weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world and they couldn't keep alive for even three weeks. You're telling me that 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. 
there's evidence, there is proof that the resurrection of Jesus Christ took place. That evidence shows that this was a real event, that Jesus died on a cross for our sins and he walked out of a tomb. Even though he had died, he walked out of that tomb three days later, resurrected. And that means, as we mentioned earlier, there's a God. Jesus is that God. The Bible is true. Heaven and hell are real, and Jesus makes the difference whether you go to one or the other. You see, the the evidence for Jesus' life, death, and resurrection uh, are, are great, but as we've been talking about for the last two weeks, Jesus' death on the cross removed and saved us from our sin, the ways that we disobey God. And that sin and death that condemns us to eternal punishment. We're saved from that eternal punishment through Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection. Instead of receiving eternal punishment, he opens the door for us to be rescued from that punishment and instead receive eternal life, but we are also brought into the family of God. We are adopted as children of God, sons and daughters of the almighty God, king of the universe. That's what we mean by Jesus saving us. It's so much what he has done. And coming back to Jesus after I'd rebelled from him, I began to realize that there was so much more to who Jesus was and what Jesus was calling me to do in my life. And we've been... Uh, unpacking this. You see, when I came back to Jesus, I recognized that Jesus gives me hope. You know, that's, that's why we talk about leading every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. When, when I came back to Jesus, I recognized that he could provide a hope in my life that I could not find anywhere else. But he also provided a purpose, a meaning to my life. You see, the resurrection gives us hope and purpose. It gives us a reason to live. It gives us a reason of what to look forward to. And it's so much more than just being saved from eternal punishment and and brought into eternal life. It goes even further by giving us hope and purpose and meaning. You see, without an understanding of our eternal existence and the importance of that existence, we can't truly have hope and purpose. Uh, There's a theologian named Tim Keller, and Tim Keller wrote a book called The Reason for God, and in that book he says this, why sacrifice for the needs of others if in the end nothing we do will make any difference? However, if the resurrection of Jesus happened, That means that there's infinite hope and reason to pour ourselves out for the needs of the world. You see, through the resurrection, we have hope and we have purpose. We want to serve. We want to love. We want to connect with others. And we want to to help them and love them in good times and in bad times. When we understand the immensity of Jesus' resurrection and what it means for our existence, it changes everything. It changes the very narrative of our lives. 
And let me say this, maybe you're watching or listening right now and maybe you don't believe in Jesus. Maybe you've never come to the place where you've recognized Jesus's life, his death, and his resurrection. And again, Jesus was and he is the son of God. Part of what we call in church the Trinity. And Jesus came to this earth as a humble baby and lived a life experiencing all of the dangers, all the turmoil, all of the pain, uh, all of the temptations that we experience and yet lived his entire life without ever giving in to temptation and sinning. And in the midst of all of that, even though he lived a perfect sinless life as God's son, the one who was prophesied hundreds of years prior to his, his birth, Despite all of that, the authorities in his day convicted him to death. And when he died on that cross, the shedding of his blood became the price that had to be paid for your sins and my sins. And it's through that death that we can be rescued from our sins that we can be rescued from the consequences of our sins, eternal punishment. And then three days later, Jesus rose from the grave and that resurrection was a declaration, a confirmation of who he is, that he is God and that he does love you and that he has, if you believe in him, he has given you victory over your sin and the slavery that that sin puts you in. He's given you victory over that eternal death and punishment. And instead, in victory, he's given you eternal life. And if you're watching right now, if you're listening right now, and you've never come to a place where you've believed Jesus, where you've followed him, where you've committed your life to him, and you want to know more, please, I want you to reach out to us. I want you to go down to the, uh, the, the post uh, of this video. There's a link at the very bottom for our online uh, connect us, uh, contact us page. I want you to go to our website, click that link. It takes you to our website, to the contact us page, fill out that form, and I will personally reach out to you as soon as I receive your information. I would love to talk to you, answer any questions you may have, uh, explain what a journey with Jesus looks like, and help you if you're ready to make, take that next step in your journey with Jesus. But please, if you've got questions, if this is bringing things up, if you want to know more about the proof of the Jesus existence and his resurrection, if, if you want to talk about some of these things, please connect with us. Go to our website to the contact us page and reach out. But maybe you're listening and you are a follower of Jesus. Maybe some of this is new to you. Maybe you've never heard some of the things I'm talking about today. If that's you, no matter who you are as a believer of Jesus, I want you to hear this. The resurrection, because of, what the, because of the implications that it has, the resurrection becomes the reason, the motivation, the foundation for the hope and purpose and meaning to our lives. Hey, why do we have hope? Because of the resurrection. 
Why do we gather as the family of God, whether online or in person? It's because of the resurrection. The resurrection established the family of God, the church. Why do we commit our lives to live like Jesus? Because of the resurrection. Why can we know where we will spend our eternity? Because Jesus rose from the grave because of the resurrection. And why do we want to share this with others so that their eternity can also be rescued the way ours is? Because Jesus loves them so much that he rose from the grave for them. He died for them and rose. The resurrection. And why do we recognize that we exist not for us, but for him? Because he rose from the grave, not you, not I. We don't have the capacity to rise from the grave outside of Jesus Christ. So why do we have this hope? Why do we have this purpose? Why do we have this meaning to our lives? Because Jesus died for our sins out of his love for us and he rose from the grave in victory over sin and death, declaring that he is real, that he is the son of God. That's why we live. That's why we have hope. That's why we have purpose and meaning. We're called to live for him out of our love for him, out of his love for us. So where is your hope, your purpose, your meaning to life? I would encourage you to consider whether your hope and purpose and meaning in life should be coming from Jesus because he did rise from the grave. No one else ever has. What is that resurrection calling you to today? What changes need to take place because you're recognizing that Jesus is real, that he's God, and that the Bible confirms what it says about him and that there is a heaven and a hell and Jesus determines whether we go to one or the other. How is your life impacted because of the resurrection and what is the next step that Jesus is calling you to take? Join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for Easter. We thank you that Jesus loves us so much, that you love us so much, that you sent your one and only son, your unique son to this place to die on a cross to save us from our sins. And that three days later, he rose from the grave. We thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, our prayer today is that you would help us to recognize how the resurrection impacts, the implications that it has for our lives, for our hope, our purpose, our meaning, and that you would help us to take whatever steps it is uh, that you're calling us to take, whether we need to reach out and ask questions about Jesus and what he's done, or whether we need to ask you what changes we need to make in our own lives to share Jesus with the world around us. Lord, speak to our hearts and minds and help us to understand how the resurrection changes the way we live. We thank you for Easter, Lord. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.